0: Hey, and welcome back to the Coffee Trading Academy podcast, where we discuss the global coffee market with some of the greatest commodity trading minds of the industry. Today, we have the privilege of hosting Jim Romer, a distinguished meteorologist with more than three decades of experience and infinite passion for commodity weather forecasting. In this episode, we discuss various climate phenomena, including El Nino and La Nina, teleconnections and weather patterns, And how they wield substantial influence over commodity markets such as coffee, grains, and natural gas. We also cover essential current event topics such as early flowering in Brazil and the possibility that a strong El Niño event could create drought in Asia, Africa, and the Americas as well as other far-reaching impacts in coffee origins across the globe. We will also get a peek inside Jim's methodology and the thought process behind his proprietary software and exclusive Weather Wealth newsletter, a treasure trove of weather forecasts, trading strategies, and market analysis. Whether you're a trader looking for insights into weather shocks, a producer worried about the possibility of drought, or a roaster trying to secure your coffee supply chain, this podcast will hit you like a hurricane of commodity weather expertise. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Jim Romer. All right. So, uh, Jim, thank you for joining us today. Do you go by Jim or James? Do you prefer, do you have a preference?
1: Everybody calls me Romer All on my 100 tennis buddies. Just call okay. me Romer court. Just call me Jim. That's fine.
0: Okay, perfect. So, Jim, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you're in high demand, not only with the trading community, but the, the financial uh, talking heads that you're on. I think you were on Bloomberg recently. Um, so I know a lot of people are looking for your advice um, I also, by the way, fun fact, uh, pinged J- uh, Jim for advice uh, on Hurricane Adalia recently, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, as a, a Florida resident, that was something that uh, was pretty uh, relevant recently. And you were kind enough to give me uh, your advice there. Um, so, you Jim. You look like my brother. You look like yeah. my brother. I mean, so I, I have to give you the advice first. You know you I know. Want? Yeah. Hair and, I, anyway. I, I wanted to compliment you <laughs> on your haircut. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, but, uh, cool. And uh, yeah, so Jim, thanks so much for joining us. And um, if you don't mind, I would love to hear a little bit about your background, how you got into uh, you know, the very specific niche of commodity sure. meteorology and, and what you're doing now with, you, with your current business.
1: Yeah, so I, I went to a very small college back in graduate 82 called Linden State up in the northern part of vermont 35 below Windshill factor skiing that's where jim kantori went um who's a friend of mine he, he graduated a couple of years after me and I, I wanted to be the hippie dippy weatherman i had long curly hair in the early 80s i wanted to be uh, for some reason on tv and i sent out all these tapes to radio stations tv they go no you have too much of a new york accent forget it you'll <laughs> never make it a tv why don't you try commodities so i ended up applying for jobs my first job was like I don't know 13,000 a year. <laughs> I drove out from New York and a broken down um AMC Pacer, whatever it was, back in the early 80s, out to Iowa. A very small weather forecast firm called Freeze Notice Weather, actually, Charlie Notice Harvey Freeze, not a freeze in Brazil, you know, sort of speak, but ah, their okay. names, yeah. right. And um, just I didn't even know where the Corn Belt was, you know, it's in Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, those places, and I, I learned just about. Commodity weather forecasting, agriculture, Uh, this is back, you know, during that time in the 80s and 90s, and I I beefed up their commodity division, uh, was doing, you know, coffee frost forecasts for for Folgers and um, learning about weather forecasting for all the grain companies, Cargill, and really got an incredible, like a PhD just in, in, in commodities and meteorology without actually having a PhD, just living in the Midwest Back in the 80s, I, I managed some money for a while, got burnt out doing that. Um, right. This is pre-internet. So
0: having a having a meteorologist, uh, the insight was like quite uh, valuable, I guess. Right. You couldn't just go look it up online. So
1: Yeah. And back then we had only the 70, 72 hour weather maps. So we have these agricultural clients, farmers and traders. What's the 72 hour look like three days in advance? You know, now <laughs> I got maps and models going out months and, and trying to validate how accurate they are. Sometimes it's difficult because the oceans are warming up so much, but these models are pretty good. Um, Particularly, you know, 10, 10, 12 day periods. It wasn't that case 30 years ago. Anyway, I, um I, I advised tutor investments for a while. I left freeze notice, went on my own, did some consulting back in the nineties, moved to North Carolina, got married. Um, Advise a couple of big hedge funds. Um, really, just uh, you know, watching markets in seven or eight countries. Uh, grains, natural gas prices were much more affected back, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Learned about how to, how to forecast for natural gas companies with hurricanes. And it's like, you know, really understand the psychology of markets, not just forecasting, but how these markets move. You know, sugar, for example, will very often react after the fact. Coffee reacts to rumors sometimes of a Brazil freeze. Then it happens and sometimes the market sells off first. Uh, you know, buy rumors, sell in fact. Grain markets react to the forecast. So really learning over the last 30 to 40 years, has helped, you know, with the psychology of markets and weather forecasting has helped me, you know, get a lot of different clients. The main hedge fund that I advised for 20 or 30 years in New York, unfortunately, the fellow passed away a couple of years ago. Hmm. So I started a newsletter called Weather Wealth when I lost that opportunity of that hedge fund I was advising for many years, pretty much exclusively. And Weather Wealth goes out to farmers and commodity traders, ETF investors all over the world, in like 12 countries. Um, You can get a free sample, certainly. I look at trends of of weather patterns going back 70, 80 years, and also price patterns and how they all kind of correlate. And I give recommendations and options and futures and ETFs. And that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. I'm also advising um, a pretty large hedge fund uh, part-time over in Europe, Mm -hmm. um, a new client. So yeah, I'm busy. Some of these firms like Commodity Weather Group or storm vista or accurate weather have you know eight meteorologists and staff right i don't know how i'm doing i'm doing it all myself i have people working (laughs) in my newsletter and editing and and publishing for me but a lot of the research i um you know at, at 60 years old a little older than 60 takes me you know 50 60 hours a week sure and so anyway well, you,
0: what, one thing I can definitely say about you, Jim, is you certainly seem like you have a lot of energy. So I think uh, you have to, I guess, to, to to put in that kind of hours um, uh, and do it all, all year. You know,
1: I think that the great woman taking care of me. Now, I've been an athlete my whole life, you know, played competitive tennis since I was 11 years old, played macaro in New York. and got my butt kicked back <laughs> in high school. But I think, um, yeah, I'm lucky to have that energy. Uh, but a lot of it definitely comes from from playing sports and swimming and trying to do TM and things like that. So thank you. I, I, yeah. I feel like I'm 35 or 40, not 64.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's smart. Um, you, we really have to, you know, it's kind of a mind body meld uh, mentality, right? You have to have to take care of all of it. One thing I did want to just point out to our listeners, you kind of threw this out there. But uh, you said you you, you work with Tudor Investments. For anybody who doesn't isn't familiar, this is a, a very famous hedge fund, um, John Paul or Paul Tudor Jones, um, from the the the, P, the famous or infamous PBS documentary trader. Um, so uh, that's cool. So I assume you were working with them on on the cotton market.
1: I, I did a little bit of of some managing money when I was working in Iowa back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, it's a long story that didn't necessarily work out. I was picked up by another major hedge fund full-time when I left the Midwest hmm. and came back East in, in the early 90s called Blen- uh, Blenheim Capital Management. Hmm. Uh, they were a very large hedge fund. Um, uh, Vim Quaker, who just passed away recently, was really you know my boss for 20 or 30 years up till three years ago when I started this newsletter. And because they wanted me exclusively and um, – they were trading everything, and I was watching natural gas, coffee, grains. They ended up becoming like a you know six billion dollar hedge fund. It's kind of difficult to 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 move around you know five thousand contracts of coffee and a six thousand.
0: Yeah, absolutely. you know <laughs> they, they
1: tend to really say, "Okay, what's the long range forecast, we're going to buy options because you can't chip in and jump out of these markets when they're that big." And right. then we try to keep longer term perspectives based upon upon my forecast. Some of the clients I have now do very short term trading you know but i think it's important to develop some sort of longer term perspectives in most of these markets particularly with options which weren't around you know as much 25 30 years ago
0: now i just wanted to uh, i did want to move i see you've got your background you got your weather stuff uh ready um so i wanted to jump into that with you um did you want to start with el nino would that be a good place to to start the discussion or how would you like to uh proceed yeah well let's um,
1: Let's talk about some of the teleconnections and how I forecast weather. What, what is a teleconnection? Because El Nino is not the only thing. We have something called the Indian dipole that I'll talk about here in a minute. We have record warm Atlantic called the Tropical North Atlantic Index. <clears throat> we have something called the Antarctic Oscillation Index that also affects the weather patterns a lot for Brazil coffee. So shall I go through that?
0: Okay, so um yeah that would be good um and um uh yeah okay so do you want to give us like an overview i guess of of, of uh how we should think about it or um yeah go ahead you, you take yeah it yeah
1: so you know basically th- this Niña situation we have for three years behind me and i make i may cover up my head sometimes so i you know block myself out so you can see the maps but that they the trade winds blowing from peru out to the central pacific well, the reason we had La Nina for three years and, and the biggest impact really in coffee, surprisingly, we had a drought two years ago and a freeze, which doesn't often happen. Um, um, it tend to happen more toward neutral events and strong El Niños. will talk about that in a minute. But th- this La Nina we had for three years created incredible flooding in Indonesia. I think that's probably one of the reasons we had very tight stocks, right, Ryan, of, of robusta coffee over the last eight to 12 months. Yeah. Okay, so the situation is shifting right now. So uh, we're in an El Nino situation in which the trade winds pretty much die and they drop off. Mm -hmm. And when they drop off, you, you see warm waters blow from Australia to the east toward South America. And that is what we have, you know, right now okay so we are going into probably a moderate to strong el nino and I'll we'll talk about that more in a minute um remember him chris farley <laughs> my but favorite anyway.
0: my favorite el nino yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> so i'm just going to go through a lot of this stuff right now um can i talk about the present weather what's happening and discuss my program and el ninos and the differences and strong yeah please okay. so we had a, a rain event last week this was the forecast from about a week or two ago, for up to in blue, three to 4% above normal rainfall in Brazil. Maybe you know Ryan better than me. We had about a half an inch of rain, was the verification here the last week, about a month earlier than normal. Did it create an early bloom? Well, no. There's some talk it may. So if we have hot, dry weather in September, which sometimes happens with strong El that are far, forming, that could begin. To cause some concern in the coffee market about an early bloom. So here are the models now going out about two weeks. Percentage of normal rainfall less than 50% over the next two weeks. Not critical, obviously, until really October, but if we did have the early bloom from that rains and there's some mixed discussions that may have actually happened, this could cause some concerns earlier before the normal onset of the bloom in October and November. Look at the way the temperatures are about, you know, 10 degrees above normal there over the next couple of weeks um,
0: in uh, in Northern Brazil. Um, okay. So if that. I can, if I can take a step back for a second here, I just like to, to summarize and organize my thoughts while I'm hearing from you. So, Right now, I'm hearing from you, there's a few things going on. One is that we're in an El Nino event right now, or we have a high probability of entering one shortly. And that that is essentially the trade winds die. So we get the hot um, uh, water coming from the Pacific, right? Uh, Pushing towards uh, the um, South America. And what some people who are not meteorologists might not know is how essential sea surface temperatures are for for global weather, right? So they are gonna be have a a huge impact on precipitation levels around the world. And in this case, specifically, we're concerned about Brazil. As you mentioned, we came from a La Niña event, right? Um, And that had an impact, as you pointed out, in Indonesia, hurt the crop badly there in Robusta, and also, unfortunately, Colombia, right? We've had all this excess rainfall in Colombia for years. Now, the talk of the town is, and what everyone's been so worried about, is this early potential Brazil bloom. And my understanding is that the real risk here is that if we get an early bloom and it does not set, then uh, we can essentially lose some portion of that essential giant Brazil crop, which would have a, a you know a huge impact on the market where we are. Now, this is uh, all great information that you've given me here on on, on what's going on. And it sounds like what you're saying so far is that uh this looks like there's there has not been an early bloom yet, but there is potential based on this this the, the minimum rain we had, but we do have hot, dry weather over the next few weeks. Is that
1: yeah? So you think if we had a half inch to one inch of rain about a month earlier than normal, you, you don't think that may have created Cause an early bloom yet do you, what do you think i mean probably a 30 of the area probably had an inch of rain in minas Gerais and up to the north you know mm. um some of the robust areas over the last couple of weeks um i'm just hearing very different reports right now whether that you know would happen I, if we had follow-up rains in the next week which we don't and then we had hot dry weather that would probably be more of a detriment right
0: right um, yeah what as of today uh my colleague Igor is based in Brazil and we had asked him yeah I, uh, we had asked him I asked him <laughs> uh to to check around with some of the farmers and what he' had heard so far at least in the uh in the northern regions was that there there was no risk of early flowering from the farmer's perspective now they're not always right it sometimes it's better to have the meteorologist's perspective on that okay um, but I, I but maybe you're hearing differently what do you
1: well, I, no, I, I don't know. Um, the last time we really had a, an El Nino and an early bloom was 2009. And uh, we ended up having perfect weather, really. Excellent rains in October and September and November back then. I'm not sure that's going to happen this year. We'll talk about it in a minute. Interestingly, though, coffee prices went up to, during 2009, in the fall of 2009, yeah. even though we had decent weather. So obviously the level of factors in the market, the Brazil real, whatever else. But I was kind of surprised
0: to look at a coffee chart and see that um one thing, August I, yeah. I don't want to steal your thunder here if you're gonna talk about this but I thought one thing was very interesting was that when you sent me the your your report you talked about previous ex- examples where there was early flowering right you'd done kind of a study on uh previous years yeah
1: you. well I'm gonna I guess we're gonna bounce around a little bit so okay so let me just yeah please let me just go back okay yeah these are all the years. We had above normal rainfall in mid to late August, okay, Uh, including this year.
0: So for our listeners, that's 1975, 2004, 2009, 2016, and
1: 1984, it looks like. 84, remember, there was a, I mean, most of the coffee areas back then were what Perrin and Sao Paulo, not Minas Gerais, but we had a drought in 84 after that, through 85, we went to like $3. I think back then, this Mm -hmm. is before all the inflation. So interestingly, these years, and I'll go back to the other maps in a minute and talk about El Nino and the present weather pattern. 75 was La Nina, 2004 was neutral. 2009 was a weak El Nino. 2006 was, or sorry, 2016. I'm not sure it was after El Nino and 84 was, was um, after El Nino. So interestingly, this wet August, um, you know, half the one that's rain it wasn't like three inches. Still, was the wettest since really 2016, and the fifth wettest or sixth wettest in the last 30 years is unusual to have happened during an El Nino formation because these years were mostly not except mm-hmm. 2009. 2009 had a wet October, November. I think I thought it was a decent crop. The market went higher um, this season because El Nino strengthening so quickly. I am not nearly as confident we're going to have above normal rainfall. And again, I'll talk about that in a second, as we did in 2009. Sure. So those are the years we had sort of an early did have an early bloom, actually. OK, Does that helped. Is that helpful?
0: Yeah. Um, now, what I recall from your um, from your letter here was that even in years when there was an early bloom, there was not a, a major impact on yield in, in some of these years. Is that right? Yeah. Most of these years, um,
1: it looked like, two, she would have says 2004, did not hurt yields. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2016, total production was large. Uh, the only real year, I think, that was hurt substantially was 1984. So it looks like- We 100- had a two-year drought then, you know, yeah. back then.
0: So it looks like from this that um, it there's a large possibility that this is just kind of market hype at the moment then.
1: Well, yeah, the market really hasn't done much. You know, the dollar has been strengthening like crazy. We've had a big harvest. The harvest pressure the last four weeks, you know, coffee prices have collapsed, what, 15, 20 percent over the last few months. Right. But if we get hot and dry and that extends into October, I think the market may st- begin to get worried about it, which I think is actually going to happen. Can I explain okay. the, the reasons why a little bit or? Please. Yeah. Okay. Please. So everyone's talking about El Nino, and um, I'll go through that different scenarios. But there are other what we call teleconnections, which is a climatic staple of weather, uh, sometimes thousands of miles away, uh, up in the stratosphere, you know, 10, 20 miles, or sea surface temperatures in Indonesia, you know, thousand miles away can affect the weather for Brazil, coffee, really any commodity. Some of the keys, other than El Nino, is what is the Arctic Oscillation, Antarctic Oscillation going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, a negative AAO is similar to the negative AO in the Northern Hemisphere that brings about cold winters. Right, a block over the Arctic Circle in, in January or February brings cold air down to the Midwest and East, creates a spike in heating oil, natural gas. Sometimes, when you have warming in red, like we do right now, a negative AAO that tends to increase potential dryness in parts of Brazil in September and October. If it continues, Um, Mm -hmm. we just go through all this. Um, We also have something called the Indian dipole. Okay. And if you notice when the Indian dipole is positive, you tend to have dry weather, not all the time in Brazil, there in October. Mm -hmm. And I'll go through that again in a second. Um, when you have a combination of these teleconnections, a negative AAO index, an Indian dipole, which is actually there on your screen there, cool over Indonesia, um, warm over the east of Africa. You have the warm tropical Atlantic or resulting in all these hurricanes. They're, most of them are pretty weak except for that one in Florida because of El Nino. If you have all these events going on at the same time. You tend to have this going into September and October. Look at that. Those were El Nino events with an Indian dipole. Again, going back here for a minute, the temperature pattern over Indonesia being cool and warm off the coast of uh, Africa, a, a a, a tropical record warm Atlantic, right? This tends to create hot weather in Brazil in September and October and also tends to create, look at that, dryness. So there are a lot of El Ninos that, Really have decent weather for Brazil, particularly you know in southern Minas down to Paraná and São Paulo. Right. Um, typically with El Niños, I think you may it's it's further north in the Robusta areas that tend to have some problems, and also Indonesia certainly, which could happen next spring, and in Vietnam maybe next summer. Um, but when you have strong El Niño events, uh, at, at which it looks like we're going to have 1997. Um, 2015-16 there tends to be hotter drier than normal weather two-thirds of the time and when you combine that with that warm negative aao index over the uh, over antarctica and the um, situation with the indian dipole there right you tend to have drier than normal weather so that is my concern right now and why i think it's possible coffee prices could actually bottom for a while even though the brazil real is or the, the, well, rule has been in the tank, I guess, I guess it's right really a little bit, but the dollar's been strengthening and yeah. all this harvest pressure, um, I think that will probably begin to not be a factor any longer. And they'll begin to shift their attention on the weather here for the next you know couple months.
0: Wow. All right. so it sounds like what we're seeing here, so the I mean the, the conclusion seems to be that we have a high potential or a high risk, let's say, of hot and dry weather. Over the next few months in 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 brazil so um, it seems like the early blooming is almost not as much of a factor as much as we could have damage to the blooms once they come um uh, in the next few months here and that's based on the fact that we're in an el nino or high probability of a strong el nino Combined with the AAO and the Indian Ocean Dipole. Is that?
1: Yeah, right. Here are two strong El Nino events, 1972 and 2015. And you can see how it was dry September, October, November. See so where it says SON right near my, my ear there? So, particularly to the north, right? So, some of the northern areas were busted, maybe northern central, means is dry. So, again, things can change. The oceans are so much different, obviously, than they were in 72 and 2015. But generally, you know, these are the two analog years I come up with right now. And be right. some concern. Um, can things change? Sure. The AO could go positive. In other words, we could end up having a cold vortex over there instead of a, that warm vortex. And the AO could go positive and shift things. But right now, uh, that's sort of my feeling uh, that we're going to have. Let me just watch uh, some of my maps there. Uh, this dryness uh, potentially uh, off and on through the month of October.
0: So, yeah. for those of who those, those of you who are listening, what we're looking at here is um, this is is this from your your website here or this is
1: this is okay. This is Climate Predict Pro. I developed this with a, with a friend of mine from MIT. Ah, cool. Um, looking at teleconnection, see those different things: the AO, the Nina one two. Um, this is this is in my newsletter uh, along with trading strategies, weather forecast. My newsletter is called Weather Wealth. But this is my in-house software. Sometimes I don't like looking up models. I look looking at teleconnections. So like Nino 1.2 that is checked, that is right near my ear there. That's mm. the – the Nino extends all the way out in the Central Pacific. But you see where it's the darkest red? Yes. That's called Nino 1.2. Mm. All right? And um, Nino 1.2, which is checked, tends to result in drier numb, weather when it's really, really – in the top 10 percent, so i look at the top 10 or 25 percent of, of, of the, these teleconnections all over the world and when most of them match up uh where the check boxes are i can tend to give really good forecasts for cocoa sugar grains whatever months in advance pretty cool huh
0: yeah wow. sometimes the second guess the models so yeah this is cool because i know i talked with your colleague earlier and he mentioned these teleconnections and i wasn't quite sure what that was all about so this is kind of Clearing it up for me. Essentially, the teleconnections are correlations with specific weather events around the world. And you're seeing, okay when these multiple things line up, we tend to see the same patterns happen. Is that right? Yeah. Like, like, for example, I'm going to try to cover this up for a second. Um,
1: This is a little bit scientific, but I'm not going to go too much into detail here. But typically with El Nino. It looks like it's a little bit cut off there on the screen. And this includes all weak through strong the Nino's going back 70, 80 years. Here are the correlations the AO index, Nina 1.2. Notice where you see a positive number, particularly in the northernmost Brazil areas, more in the Robusta areas here, number one. Number two, I mean, two is more of Sao Paulo. And in the northernmost areas here, um, Actually, okay, I don't, Just yeah, this is for September, actually. You, you see the correlations of rainfall where that box is in blue to the left. A positive number means above normal rainfall. Typically, you see some above normal rainfall in September and October when Nina 1-2 is, is, is warmer than normal, Nina 2-3. Where you see negative, the Indian dipole there, see that? DMI, AO, AO index is checked. Um, what that means is typically you have wet weather during El Nino's going into the fall, but, but but not necessarily, I'm going to confuse you with strong ones, take all the El Nino's together and you tend to have a wet signal, but when the AO index is negative, see that it it was COMP, you have a slight negative correlation dry, the DM, the the Indian dipole is positive, which I showed you. There's a slight correlation, minus 0.28, negative. So looking at all this, one would expect, and this has been a forecast for a lot of me, oh, we're going to probably have normal to wet weather in Brazil because of, of El Nino. Um, this is not, this is all El Ninos in general. When you take strong ones, those correlations change and you tend to have drier than normal weather. It's a little bit confusing.
0: Um yeah, we tend to, we'd like to think keep things simple and just say El Nino does this. But when you research it a little bit, uh, you realize there's multiple kinds of El Ninos and um, yeah, you, the intensity matters as well, right? <laughs> but that's mostly the weak to moderate ones. When you have stronger
1: El Ninos and a negative AAO and a positive Indian dipole, you tend to have drier than normal weather. Another correlation though with El Nino is where you see those positive numbers, warm. El Nino is positively correlated with above normal temperatures in uh, the month of October. So though you tend to have wet weather in in Brazil coffee growing areas, in most except strong El Ninos, it Mm -hmm. tends to be hotter than normal in September and October in Brazil. So you can get rains, you can get hot weather, have a decent crop but with this strong el nino coming on right now my my feeling is you're going to have warm weather and a tendency for at least some dry conditions that may affect the bloom here over the next 6 to 8 weeks. That right.
0: so, so that's going to be very important for the arabica market. If there's any kind of problem in in brazil of course that's going to that's going to have a huge implication um going forward. Now you've also if we could switch gears for a second here um to robusta, robusta in a lot of ways has been the more interesting market lately, although it's come off as well. Um, but we had problems in Indonesia, uh, which um, you, we've talked about a bit. It sounds like was was largely uh, from the La Niña uh, uh, event, uh, too much rain, yeah. uh, and now we're concerned about Vietnam as well, right? So, yeah, well, you said, yeah. I mean, Indonesia and good. Vietnam is there, are, is there big risks there in the future?
1: Well, the la- the last big drought. Um, I guess they have a lot of irrigation, Ryan, in Vietnam. Sure, right? We had a drought in 2014, I think, or early 15 in Vietnam, and the crop was okay. Uh, And the market didn't do anything. Then we had a back-to-back El Nino in 2015-16, and it just really hurt their crop. Indonesia had a drought. And um, I remember a busted coffee press went crazy. I think it was in 2016. So, it's been raining a lot in Vietnam over the last month or so. I'm not quite sure what's the most important cycle for them. I think it's in well, the spring and summer, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure they really had a lot of problems recently. It was dry back, I think, in March through April. I think in the last month or so, they've had above normal rainfall. Indonesia here over the last month or so, there um, you see a mixture of both red and also or, or, and and, and uh, blue. The blue areas. Sumatra, some of those other, you know, is a, is a still a reflection of the end of La Nina here the last few months and all the wet weather that hurt the robusta crop earlier this year, particularly last year. Look how things are kind of mixed in Indonesia right now. Uh, this is coming into the dry season, right, uh, into through September. So I'm not sure that we're seeing a lot of problems currently, um, but there, there is a tendency or they get dry during El Nino's deeper in the year, and potentially in 2024. And that could impact next year's crop, what four, six, eight months down the road, both in Indonesia, and also Vietnam. Right now, I'm not, I don't think there's a lot of problems, except that, you know, it's very tight supplies of Robusta, obviously. I don't believe there's a lot of crop impacts from El Nino just yet in Vietnam or Indonesia, but it could be next year
0: yeah i think i mean i think that's that's absolutely right um the the uh the 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 harvest is coming up in october in in vietnam and i think that's looking decent enough um and and i don't think we see any problems there my understanding is that during and so the 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 important rain is going to be um you know in the in the spring as you said uh well in our spring right and you know Fed march forward um, for for Vietnam. Um, now, my understanding is that there is some correlation with dryness in Vietnam during strong El Nino years. So, I mean, is that too far forward to to, to really make uh, any?
1: Absolutely, and I I don't know if I have a map on here um, right now for that. Unfortunately, yeah, th- there is. Um, I think I think I have all my information here. Um, let, me, let me back up for a second. If I could, you mind? Of course, yeah. Let's see it. if I can find. Uh... All right, so yeah, Vietnam, right? Look at that. Hmm. Like you just said. So, so we've if-
0: got here a, on his chart. He's showing um, correlations with El Nino for Vietnam and Indonesia, and it looks like 97, 98 was widespread drought with a significant impact in Niels in Vietnam. 2002 was a weak El Nino with a 10 to 15% yield loss there. And then 15-16 uh, was the worst drought in 90 years during a strong El Nino and a 25% output loss. So so there is a substantial risk, it looks like, from uh, for, for for damage in Vietnam.
1: Yeah, so in summary, you know, um, there tends to be, with El Nino, more consistent problems in Indonesia, number one. Mm. sometimes Colombia and also Central America and also Vietnam with strong El Ninos with Brazil. Let me just go back here for a second. If I can find this, have you seen this before with Brazil? This is production uh, of coffee um, where you see the dark red. Mm. It's the lowest production, right? Where you see the yellow is the highest. Look how during La Nina's, and this last year was an exception. We had a great crop this, you know, from all this rain last year. And relative, even though it was an off cycle year, relatively a good, nice recovery. One of the reasons why, you know, coffee's dropped what 30% here in the last few months. But look at that that typically during El Nino, that little area of Red Minas Dryas and Sao Paulo is not as expansive as it is during a neutral or La Nina. What is this saying? That during El Nino's, typically. The, there's enough rain in the Brazil coffee-growing areas. Worse situation, Indonesia, Vietnam. Right. La Nina's co- But again, this takes into account all El Nino events. The fact we have the negative AAO index over in Antarctica, we have the Indian dipole, and we have a strong El Nino, right? That would suggest that you can kind of throw this out the window that most El Ninos, their upper left, you know, not as expansive area of red, which would be below normal yields, yeah. versus, right. That we could have problems even during this um, on cycle crop that we're going to be
0: producing over the next few months. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like typically an El Nino year is not super much. It's not a super threat to Brazil, um, but during a strong El Nino and with the teleconnections that we're seeing currently, there is a threat.
1: Yeah. And maybe you can help me out here for a second, because I, I plotted this a, a while ago. And um, so like. The, the rainfall in October through December during the, the, the blooms like that's let's, let's take 2014, 15, for example, that would be the 2015, 16 crop. Right. Um. So these right. are some of the. So it's all. It's a year after because because they harvest. So right now, the bloom that sets the next few months is what the two thousand twenty four two thousand twenty five crop. Right. I think. The, yes. The, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we he, just. Yeah.
0: We just so, finished the the twenty three twenty four crop. So the the next crop is the twenty four right. twenty five.
1: So this is a product. This is a. This is a based upon fall, when a rainfall. excuse me, well, it would be spring and summer rainfall down there. Um, This is the way production tends to look. And again, you know, some of these are on cycle years, some of them are off cycle. So it's a little bit uh, confusing, but um, look look at that year, 2015, 16, that was based upon a dry fall in 2014. That was in El Nino and production dropped, Right. And look how in 2016 17, based upon the uh, fall, their spring and summer rainfall was above. That 2016 17 was, you probably saw the spreads of Robusta go crazy versus Arabica because we had all sorts of droughts from, like you said, in Vietnam during the strong El Nino and also in Indonesia. I would imagine the Robusta chart went off the, the roof versus Arabica um, because of the problems more during El Nino in, in those other parts of the world. Um, I don't know if this
0: is helpful um yeah and I, I remember that 15 16 year we were trading coffee and uh because I remember our our friends in Brazil were saying oh it's it's a little bit dry but nothing to worry about Um uh, and then just a few days later it was like the market just shot up and it, <laughs> it didn't didn't really stop until we hit two dollars um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And like, so, so 2009, we had an early bloom, right? We had all this rainfall in Brazil. Uh, the last time we had this much rain, really, or well, 16 in 2009. During El Nino was the last time we had rain in August like this. And we tended to have above normal production, right? Uh, yet the market went up. I'm not quite sure why I'll have to do some research on it. Um, mm. The 2015 strong El Nino uh, production also went up. Um The 2014 was the beginning of the strong El Nino, just like today. Okay, Mm. So we had a back-to-back El Nino 2014-2015. Look how 2015 production was down, right? Um, What does that say? This is the the beginning of a a strong El Nino, just like 2014. Um, It's possible, just like you see, that that black – that which is 2015 production actually dropped. That in market, we could have lower production more than people expect over the next few months. Typically, El Nino results in a below normal production. There are exceptions during strong El Ninos, and one of them was the El Nino that started in 2014. Production dropped in 2015. It recovered the following year in 2016. You see that, whereas Indonesia robusta had Indonesian Vietnam had a terrible, terrible robusta crop.
0: Now, th- this has been very helpful. I appreciate it. And um, we're getting towards the end of our time here. So I just wanted to come over two things before we conclude here. Um, and one of them is, okay, going forward, you mentioned that uh, things can change. Things do change. We could get a polar vortex or something um, that could you know, uh, shift uh, where we're getting cold weather, uh, pushing in from. So, what are the things that we should be watching in the coffee market? What are the? I mean, obviously, we want to subscribe to your newsletter, but uh, we additionally, what do we want to be? What are some of the key indicators that that we want to be following here from a weather perspective? Yeah,
1: because you're the you're the expert with the commitment of traders. I love your charts <laughs> on Twitter. You know, you you know, uh, looking at. Um, the stock situation, pretty much everything. Judy Gaines is very helpful too. Mm. Obviously, um, what happens in the financial markets I can't control. And The dollar is going to the moon right now because of the, our economy is doing great. You know, everyone thought raising interest rates was going to kill it. It's not. Everybody's pouring money into our markets right now. Interest rates already topped out. So I think the stronger dollar and the harvest pressure has hurt coffee over the last um, few months, right? But right. coffee prices tend to seasonally, you know. Bottom, okay, there's the season. I've been pretty bearish for, for most of this year. Look mm-hmm. at that season. will be short during, you know, August and, and September. And then in October there, we tend to have a rally. You see that seasonally? That's yeah. the 5, 10, 15, 30-year average. So we're, if we have hot, dry weather based on these teleconnections, given the big short position right now uh, by speculators and the seasonal harvest pressures ended in Brazil, my expectation is we're going to have at least a 5 or 10% rally over the next three to five, five to six weeks going into October. That's what I would expect.
0: I mean, it makes sense, especially when you consider also the, the low stocks. Uh, I think you mentioned stocks as well. Uh, the starts keep drawing. Um, so all of that makes sense. Um but weather-wise, what should we be? What 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 are going to be the tells? What are our tells where we say, okay, you know that this this dryness thing is coming on. We're going to get a drought. It's going to be a problem. um Or what are, what's something that's going to tell us that okay, actually things are shaping out okay. It's not going to be an issue now.
1: Yeah, well, I, I look at the maps all the time. <clears throat> you know, here here's the next ten to fifteen days. It's kind of early to create a lot of excitement just yet. But if we see this dryness percentage of normal rainfall for the next two weeks. And we see this in October, early November, and it lasts for more than a couple of weeks and it stays hotter than normal, which is the next couple of weeks, the market will go nuts, right? It'll go nuts okay. about a month. Now the market may begin to anticipate this. You had just told me um that the rains we just had did not create an early bloom. Uh if it did, I think people would be getting excited right now. Yeah. You know, remember um Going back here. The only time we had an El Nino, we had rains in August like this, was 2009. And the crop tended to be really, really excellent. Uh, That was a weak one. The fact we have a strong El Nino right now, um, we have these teleconnections I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I still think there's going to be some risk for the crop over the next few months. Again, it's an on-cycle year. It probably won't be a disaster, but given the tight stock situation and with the harvest pressure over with, if there's any kind of rallying the brazil real or the dollar stabilizes and we have this hot weather going into october i think the coffee market is probably bottom in my opinion for now i don't see it being a problem yet for robusta seasonally robusta goes lower with good harvest weather in vietnam right and the indonesia crop you know is uh, the wet weather is already built into that market so i don't necessarily believe we'll have a major bull market in robusta Mm-hmm. until maybe next spring and summer during the next crop cycle in Vietnam and Indonesia, a strong El Nino could lower their production next year. It could be Arabica over the next couple of months that maybe rallies more versus Robusta. Um, as Robusta seasonally goes lower in the fall, Most mm-hmm. harvest delays, which I don't see from wet weather. And Arabica could potentially go higher. As I mentioned, uh, given this dry weather and seasonally, the, the higher prices, um, that tend to happen anyway.
0: Um, yeah. Durant there you money. go so we have uh we have an arbitrage opportunity uh it sounds like um uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks here uh we've got some things to look out for so um jim this has been uh a pleasure and uh i think it's been very helpful to to me certainly and, and to our listeners um so appreciate you uh, taking some time for us yeah thank you enjoyed it all right and make sure you check out uh, weatherwealth um uh jim is on uh, twitter i think uh, he's on LinkedIn, yeah. YouTube, and um, um, yeah, and uh, I think you do free trials of your subscriptions as well. Sure. Right?
1: My website's called BestWeatherink.com, covering all commodities and agriculture, and natural gas around the world, and give free access to Climate Predict, my software program. I'll teach you how to use it, mm-hmm. and I tend to um, you know give some people want trade recommendations, others just want the weather. It's difficult to serve everybody. You're yeah. gonna pick what you like. You know, it's, it's, I don't think there's anything else like it. I'm not always right, but I I tend to be uh, more often than I'm wrong. You know, so
0: yeah, and that's what's important in the weather. <laughs>
1: important everything, everything in life, right?
0: Exactly. All right, great. Well, thanks so much, Jim, and we'll uh, we'll hopefully we'll get you back on the podcast soon. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you for joining our Coffee Trading Academy podcast. Check out the website and subscribe to receive our free and premium coffee market reports. That's www.coffeetradingacademy.com. Again, coffeetradingacademy.com. Good luck with your trading, everyone. This is Ryan Delaney, your coffee priceless ninja here, signing off.